I'm going to teach on the will of God in prayer. In these next lessons, I want to focus our attention on the will of God in prayer. As we look at our memory text, 1 John 5, 14, Thank you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and go up to John chapter 5, verse 1, and I want to read down, if we could. I just thank God for his goodness. I say 1 John 5, 14. That's what I meant. 1 John. I think. It's hard to read what... Here we go. Let's go ahead and go just start at verse 13. I got ahead of myself. I'm sorry. 1 John 5:13. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of, of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. I write this to you who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the name of the Son of God, in particular, in peculiar services and blessings conferred on him on men, so that he, so that you may know with settled and absolute knowledge that you already have life, yes, eternal life. And this is the confidence the assurance, the privilege of boldness, which we have in him, we are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will, in agreement with his own plan, he listens to and hears us. And if since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have grafted us, we have grafted us as a present possession, the request made of him. 
So, granted, I'm sorry. I have new glasses and there's this little round thing that I need to take them in and get a new thing in the lens, so forgive me. We have, we know, I'm going to go back. We also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as present possessions the requests made of him. So when we're praying the word and we have the confidence in the word, we know that what we ask for, it shall be granted unto us. Amen. Another translation of this verse, and, a, and this is the boldness we have towards him. Under what condition can we have confidence that God hears us when we pray? He hears us if we ask anything according to his will, and we know his will is his word. So when we're going through circumstances and situations or whatever, we get the word out, we read the word, we meditate on the word, and then we ask in the name of Jesus, and we, and we are confident. We have the confidence that he hears us and that he will cause this prayer to come to pass, or this request to come to pass. Amen? Under what condition can we have confidence that God hears us when we pray? He hears us if we ask anything according to his will and his word. In the next verse, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that what we have, the petitions that we desire of him. Notice the scripture says, and if he hears us, we have the petitions that we desire. It would seem from reading this that there must be something he doesn't hear. Now open you know, just think about this for a while. If we don't have this confidence or boldness when we pray, it must mean that the Lord doesn't hear us. If we don't fulfill our part, it won't work. How many realize that? It's like this. If you have a job, and you don't go to work day after day after day, what do you think is going to happen? They'll get tired of it, and it's over. So we need to really understand the scriptures <clears throat> and do what the Word of God says and how He does this. And if He hears us, we have the petitions that we desire. If we don't have this confidence or boldness when we pray, it must mean that the Lord doesn't hear us. If we don't fulfill our part, it won't work. How can we get confidence, boldness, and faith? The Word of God gives the faith. Let's look at it in Romans 10, 17. Prayer and faith go hand in hand. How many understand that? You just don't just one day just throw something out there that you don't have confidence in because you don't know the word, what the word says. It, when that happens, you know, you're mature Christians, all of you that are in here. So you know that you need the word of God behind your prayers. Amen.
But if you just throw something out there and you're not assured that the word of God says that, then that gives the opportunity to the devil to come and harass you and tell you it's not going to take place. But when you have the word, when you're standing on the rock, when you've got that word backing your prayer, then you know it has to come to pass, that it will take place. So in Romans 10, 17, the end, um, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as I'm teaching this morning or the Holy Spirit's teaching through me, faith is coming to you through the word of God. In other words, it's coming, it's out there, it's coming to you. You have to receive it. And a lot of people say, well, I've heard that before. And if you ask them, are you acting on it? Do you do it? Well, no. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. And the more you hear the word of God, the larger your faith it comes. It's like it just grows in you. We've all been given the measure of faith. Yet, it's what we do with the Word of God and believing the Word of God and acting upon the Word that will cause things to take place not only in our lives, but in other people's lives. Now, I'm going to use Terry, you as an example this morning. She stood for her family. She would not back down for her family. How many years did you stand before? Gosh, I don't know. But she stood and stood and prayed and prayed. And she, she had the words to back it. Now, most of her family is now born again. It's powerful. You know, this is how God works. When you all come together, I'll just, I'll pick her family. Well, Laura, we've got families that are here and saved that have stood and stood and stood. I remember Anne telling me that she would take cassette tapes, remember the old cassette tapes, and put them on the table and play them or play them through the house. And and she used to tell me, I played them loud. (laughs) Well, her whole family's here. Praise God. And so you see the results of your prayers. It might take a while, but it doesn't matter. It has to work. God's word, when you have confidence in his word, it has to work, and it will work. So the end, uh, then if we turn to Psalms 119, 130, I think this is one of pastor's favorite scriptures, if I'm not mistaken. What is your favorite scripture again? Psalms 119, 130. I'll tell you, if you have your Bible that you can read it and hear it, you learn so much, especially this one psalm, Psalm 119. If you listen to it and read it, there is so much in it. The entrance 
and unfolding of your words give light. Their, unfold, their unfolding gives understanding, discernment, and comprehension to the simple. Um, the entrance of thy words give light. It gives understanding unto the simple. How many have noticed as the word, the word unfolds, you might hear it at one time and then you hear it again, or you're sitting there in a, sermon, in a service of some kind and a word comes and you know that that word was especially for you. Take it and meditate on it all week. So when things try to come against it, you've got that word to stand on I will even write down the date and the time that that word became rhema to me and we'll go back to it. I found a, um, in my Bible and I'd, for, I'd forgotten it. I had written down one Sunday as I was sitting there during worship, the Lord told me, Brian will be coming back and he will contact Terry. And I had the date and we, and I just, I just, had a different Bible with me that day and I opened it up and I showed it to her and it's amazing that's exactly how it happened thank God so in Psalms 119 105 the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path it says in the Amplified, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Thank you, Father. I like what it says in 106. I have sworn an oath and have confirmed it that I will keep your righteous ordinances, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying them. Praise you, Jesus. Many times we pray in darkness because we don't know what God's will is. We don't come with confidence or in, with boldness. We come trembling and fearful, hoping he will hear us. But that won't work. We first need to go to God's word and find out what it says about our particular problem then we can pray in faith, knowing his will in the, mat, in, in the matter. Almost everything we need to pray about is covered in his word. How many realize that? And the more you grow, the more you read the word and you start digging that, I mean, out. Used to be you had to go to a concordance. Now you can just type in, scriptures on whatever and they'll come up amen god's made it so easy for us in this hour that we live in right now the will of god concerning salvation first of all we know that, sa that saving the lost is god's will because that's why jesus came to earth and died he came to earth and died for every person living on this earth he came and died for everyone, not just us, but for everyone. But they've got to receive him. They've got to hear 
about him. Amen. In John 3.16, we all know this and should be able to quote this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, this life down here that we live, we think this is, this is old. You know, I'm, in two weeks, I'm going to be 72. When I was 15, that was old. <laughs> Most people didn't live that past that. You know what I mean? That was really old. Even 21 was old when I was 15. So we know that Jesus came to die for every person, no matter what, no, no matter who they are. You know, believe it or not, in, in the Muslim nations, there is a revival going on in the Christian churches. You know, it's not that they can't, ha that the word isn't out there for them, because it is, that, but they have to desire, and that takes the Holy Spirit and prayer from intercessors to get them into church or where they can hear the word. Amen? In 2 Peter 3.9, let's go ahead and turn there. I know for a lot of you this is going to seem fundamental, but we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. How many know that? And so the Lord showed me to get back to get back to some basics and build ourselves up on that, get back to the foundation level and start building. Amen. Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In the Amplified, it says, The Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow with his promises, according to some people's conception of slowness. But his, he is long-suffering, extraordinarily patient towards you, not desiring that any should perish, but that all should turn to repentance. Hallelujah. That is his desire. In Acts 16.31, You know, all of, all of you have jobs. Praise God. And I've shared many, many times about the woman that when I went to work at Wrigley's, I, I was getting my divorce at that time. There was only one Christian in the whole place. The whole plant had one Christian. And myself... And another gal that was, she was rode with the Hell's Angels were placed on under her when I first went to work there. And all she would do would preach about Jesus. Now, 
we've got me and a hell's angel that she's preaching to and i shared with you we both got saved not at the same time i got saved sooner but years later in the same church that pastor and i that i got born again in she walked in one day that woman prayed for us and we got saved we didn't get saved immediately i mean i was like i'm not into this okay i don't i don't really want to hear this but she didn't care she even offered to babysit my kids one night and i know that she went through that house and anointed it <laughs> praise god i mean she anointed it with with oil i know that she did knowing her so we read we realize here in hacks that's Acts 16:31. Hang on, I'm getting there. Let's go up to verse 28. But Paul shouted, "Do not harm yourself, for we are all here." And this is where Paul and, and Silas were thrown in jail. Then the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling and terrified, he fell down before Saul and Paul and Silas. And he brought them out of the dungeon and said, Men, what is it necessary for me to do that I might be saved? Our lives should be reflecting Jesus Christ so much that people are coming and asking us, What must I do to get saved? You know, this is not the hour to be a quiet Christian out there. You know, well, my life is going to show it. Well, get in traffic and your life might not show it. Okay, you all know what I'm saying. And he brought them out and asked them, what must I do to get saved? And they answered, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give yourself up to him. Take yourself out of your own keeping and entrust yourself into his keeping. And you will be saved. And this applies both to you and your household as well. And we see that his whole household got saved. God's desire is that every member of your family gets saved. That's a settled fact. That needs to be just settled in you. I don't know of anyone who would pray for a lost one by saying, Lord, if it is your will, save him. You know, some of us came out of churches that they would pray prayers of, if it is your will. Well, we know what God's will is if we read the word. It is God's will to save everybody. Everybody. We know that God hears us and we have the petitions we desire. This should be clear enough. However, our praying is often in the natural realm rather than the spiritual realm. We pray God save our loved ones and then we wait to see if God answers. If the person gets saved immediately, we believe God heard us. If he doesn't, if we see no change in him, we think God didn't hear us. This is walking by sight and not by faith. 
and it only brings confusion. I want you to know that. Sometimes people get saved right away. Sometimes it takes a while. When we got saved, I've shared how pastor's family would show up on Sunday nights and we would, like, usually around 4 o'clock, and we would tell them, we will be going to church because our church was probably as far as from here to San Luis almost. Close. So we knew that we were going to be leaving around 5. So we'd tell them. I mean, they'd come. They wouldn't call first. We'd tell them. We're leaving in an hour for church. And the kids knew, go get ready. I'd get up and get ready. He, you know, we took time. To, and we invited them to come. And they did. And they got saved. Thank God. Now, my family was a whole different story. <laughs> you might say, I have prayed and prayed for my unsaved loved ones, and it seems as if my praying doesn't work. Return to God's word, and you'll discover why your prayers aren't answered. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will. You know, when you see people and, and you've been praying for them, for years and years and years, many times they start acting uglier. How many know that? They start acting uglier and worse. I mean, when pastor started praying for me, you just didn't even talk about Jesus in front of me. And I've shared that. I asked him one time when we were engaged, who do you love the most? And he said, Jesus. And I was infuriated. <laughs> I was. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, we're engaged and we're getting married and you love Jesus more than me. This was someone that I could not see, touch, hear. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's where a lot of our family are. We need to understand this. And so it took him praying and asking God, and then we moved into a neighborhood where the house, not the one next to us, the one on the other side, this gal was saved and actually have, had kids our kids' age, and I met her, and, and she began to pray. Thank God. There's no question that God's will is to save the lost, and we just saw from the scripture, the word of God is the will of God. So you need to understand, and I think you all know this, but the word of God is God's will. If it says that you can have it, then it's yours. Amen? Thank God we are so blessed. We have no idea how blessed we are sometimes. Second one, we can nullify our prayers. Often people undo their prayers. They may have prayed and even asked others to pray, but then they nullify their prayers and the faith of those who are praying with them by speaking negatively. We need to talk faith, not doubt. You know, when we pray something, we need to continue speaking forth what we've prayed. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. 
Faith comes to each one of us greater when we hear ourselves speaking the word. How many realize that? So we don't want to be nullifying our, pray, our prayers. It's really sad. I've seen parents who are, pray a prayer that their children will be saved, yet then start speaking the opposite words over them. They're not going to amount to anything. You know, I could go on with a list. Look how they're acting, whatever. But if you prayed the prayer of faith, then start speaking over them what you desire them to be. My children are, are taught of the Lord, and grace is their undisturbed composure. Speak the word. Speak the word over every situation. But when we pray for something, and then we confess defeat and failure, we're nullifying what we prayed for. Do you, do you all understand that? We need to confess defeat constantly rather than failure. Did I say we need to be confessing? <laughs> we need to be confessing faith and the word rather than... Failure. When we confess the word, it brings forth victory and faith in our lives. Scratch that other out. When we confess the word, it brings forth faith and victory. And we all want faith and victory, you know, victory with our faith. God's word is set up when, for to the place where when we stand on it, he hears it and it will not go void. But when we start confessing the opposite of the word of God, we will have what we say. The Bible clearly states life and death are in the power of the tongue and you shall eat of it. Okay? So what do you want to eat of? Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy and Jesus comes to bring life and life more abundantly. We can be the devil's advocate if we don't watch our mouths and if we don't know what the word of God says. And we must be very, very careful in that area. So, when we're confessing defeat and failure rather than victory and faith, it will build doubt and insecurity into that person or that thing that or situation that we're confessing this over, especially if we speak it out loud in front of those that have heard us speak the, the other, speak faith. It begins to cause, especially with our children and our loved ones. We have got to speak forth victory over them continually and get scriptures out. If they need a whip and whip them. <laughs> we must build confidence and trust in our children 
We must instill a sense of security in them. I'm talking about couples here also. We need to instill a sense of security in one, one another. In this church, we need to build a sense of security in one another. That's so powerful when you think about it, that we have within us the power to speak forth security and confidence into another person's life. That's powerful. Oh, God, you are so good. Number three. God has given, the author given us the authority to claim our family, our whole family, every one of them. Take good notes today. I've shared this before, and I'll share it again. I remember... I got a call from a woman one time, and she was just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. I didn't even recognize who it was. Um, the person did not go to our church, and she called me, and she said, I went to see my dad in the hospital last night, and the Lord, I, I was in a hurry to go do something that I wanted to do. And the Lord told her, go back and tell your father about the Lord. She didn't, and the man died in the night. How sad. We must be so open to listening to the, to the voice of God. You know, people can die so quickly. I mean, I think about a person that recently died, and it was, it was just, it was so sad. It was, it was horrible, because I'd spent hours talking to her about the Lord, but she wanted the world. I think about it, you know, the, I don't look back, but it made me have a stronger desire to go and share with everybody the Word of God, what the Word says and that what God has for them. He's a good God. A lot of people don't know that God is a good God. They've been taught that He is He's the dammer instead of the blesser. So every believer has authority in his own household. We have more authority than we have in this. We have more authority there than we have anywhere else. In Acts 16.31, it tells us, and that's turn there. Don't give up, whatever you do. You know, the best thing to do when you go to visit them or talk to them or whatever is just plead the blood of Jesus over the whole conversation and thank God that they, they are coming to know him, as the, that they're saved. As far as you're concerned, you see them saved, no matter what they're doing. And this is the answer for um, Acts 16.31. And they answered, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, give yourself up to him, take yourself out of your own keeping and entrust yourself into his keeping and you and you will be saved. And this applies both to you and your household. Well, I can think of areas in all of our lives that we need to give, 
give ourselves up to him and take ourselves out of our own keeping and entrust ourselves into his keeping in many areas in our lives. And I think every one of you can write things down that you've tried to control a situation or taking, taking the, the reins on the thing and kind of left God behind you. I remember one time Terry and I were driving um, with someone that was supposed to be following someone else and Terry, Terry was in the back seat. I don't know if you remember this. And she, this gal used to like to drive fast and she said, uh, we're not following her anymore. She's having to follow us and we don't know where we're going. And sometimes that's what we do. We want to get something done so quickly that we decide we're going to take the reins and we're going to do the leading. That'll lead you into a ditch many times, okay? So in this situation, thee and thy house. Too many people in praying for their family have struggled and begged God to save them, but they have not backed up their prayers by claiming the promise. Thus, they have prayed in darkness instead of the light of God's word. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15. So, if you need to, let go of some reins and quit trying to, try and, quit trying to lead God and tell God what to do. Let him tell you what to do. And I think every one of us has circumstances and situations that we're guilty of, and we're trying to, we are trying to make this thing successful, and God's got his perfect way to do it. And sometimes he's actually told me, just shut up. I think about my mom. I would try to witness to her, and God kept telling me, she will be saved on her deathbed. Of course, I wanted her to get saved before, but, and, you know, she would start talking stuff, and I couldn't stand it, and I'd bring up Jesus, and that would just make her mad. She got saved right before she went into a coma. She started crying out to the Lord. Thank God. She got saved exactly how Jesus told me she would get saved, and I wasn't there. The Lord told me, don't go. Just don't even go. Let me do it, okay? First John, 5, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Again. And this is the confidence. I'm going to do the King James. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. If any man, um, 14, I'm sorry. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Well, he knows, we know, he, he wants our families in heaven. That's a settled fact. It's just a settled fact. If we know God heard us, we don't have to keep begging him to save our children. This doesn't mean the whole family will come to Christ overnight. But as we stand in faith, thanking God, they will be saved. 
For us to continue asking and begging God is a confession that we don't believe we have our petition. If we really believe we had the petition we desired of the Lord, as the scripture says, we would be thanking him for it. That's what he desires. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So when you pray something, start thanking him for it. See it done. See it done. Just don't, don't even, just put blinders on and see it done. Don't re refuse to allow yourself to go anywhere else with it. You know, I've never shared, I, maybe I have. I mean, my, my mom would call me and tell me, you're not going to receive any of my money because I know that you will tithe with it. And I said, that's fine, mom. Put it, spend it on yourself. Do whatever you want with it. She, I, and I was driving down Blosser one day after she died, and I thought, man, after making it to heaven, I'm sure she wishes she would have given me all of it to tithe over on it. It's amazing, isn't it? Sometimes you, we go through the right motions, but without the right believing. We can go through the motions because someone told us to do so and because someone else did it for it to work. We must have faith for the answer down in our hearts. We need to realize that the Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us. He'll always give us the word, but each person is an individual that is unsaved. And it depends on how much sin, I hate to put it this way, or how much they've yielded their lives over to sin, usually takes a little longer. But when they get saved, they know what they've come out of. Okay? And usually, they're the ones that are preachers or something. Remember the, um, what's his name? I can't think of it, that got saved in the nut house. That's a real testimony when you think about it. The thought never enters, should ever enter our mind that our family, if you've prayed for your family to get saved, that they won't be saved. Because we have the authority and power in that area. Knowing what the will of God is concerning lost souls, we never should pray, Lord, it, if it be your will, save this person. We know it is his will. In 1 John 5, 14, 15 again, and this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Please meditate on this scripture and be able to speak this scripture out loud along with your others. That is one scripture, when you're bringing your scriptures to the Lord, that is one scripture that you should have right at the top of this, I know you hear me, because this is what your word says. Okay. In John 15, 7, you'll turn there. This is so important this hour. One of the things 
the visions of this church, that this church will be a house of prayer. Revivals start in the middle of prayer. How many know that? Expect revival to take place. If you live in me, abide vitally united to me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in in your hearts, <clears throat> excuse me, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. And my words remain in you, and continue to live in your hearts, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done to you. When you have produced much fruit, my Father is honored and glorified, and you prove your, to yourselves to be true followers of mine. That's powerful. When you think about this, if you ask, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, if you abide in me, in Jesus, and his words abide in us, Ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. That's so powerful. Abide in him, and his words abide in us. Abide in him, and his words abide in us. We can ask what we will, and it shall be done. It's that simple. God does not make it hard. He makes it so simple that a lot of people miss it. Amen? Under what condition did Jesus tell us to ask what we will? He said, if you abide in me. In other words, to be born again is the first requirement. If we're born again, we are abiding in him. He also said, and my words abide in you. So we must have a thorough knowledge of God's word to be an effective prayer warrior. We must understand his word to be a thorough prayer warrior, an effective prayer warrior. Effective. How, want, how many want to be effective in prayer? I just don't want to just be praying something and have it bouncing out there. I want to be effective. doesn't matter how long you preach when you're praying for a situation pray when you're praying for a situation when you come together we need to pray an hour how many realize that Jesus said can't you pray one hour he said and my word abide in you so we must have a thorough knowledge of God's word to be effective prayer warriors we must have his word abiding in us in order to do this, we must study to show ourselves approved in 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's all turn there. 
This is important. Second Timothy 2.15. Study and be eager to do your uttermost to present yourself to God. Approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Then he goes on to say in verse, verse 16, but avoid all empty, vain, useless, idle talk, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. This is heavy. Study to show thyself approved unto God and workmen that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Wow. That's why our words are so important. That's why by, he says every idle word of ours will be judged. You know, if we really thought on that for a while and meditated on that for a while, there'd be some change in, in every one of us. Amen? When we have God's word abiding in us, we will know what his will is concerning any matter we need to pray about. God's word is his will. Therefore, we can bring our petitions with confidence and boldness to God's throne of grace. If we have followed steps one and two of the above verses, one, we abide, are abiding in him, and two, his word is abiding in us, we can ask what we will, and it shall be done unto us. What a powerful promise. The believer walking in fellowship with the word never will ask for anything outside of the will of God. If he knows the word, he knows what is promised him. He knows the will of God. If he is not walking in fellowship with the word, he is not going to have a successful prayer life and get answers to his prayers. His prayer life isn't going to be effective because Jesus plainly stated, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. you. You must come according to his conditions. It's his conditions. Not your conditions, but his conditions. God's word concerning healing. How many know that there's a lot, there are different healings out there? Not just physical, but minds, hearts. I mean, some people sold from what they've gone through in their childhood is messed up. I'm just going to be honest with you. Let's go to Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. It's amazing to me how many people have so much fear. I'm talking Christians. Everybody should read the book Martyred for Christ. All right. Surely he hath borne our griefs 
That word means distresses and carried our sorrows. And yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Praise God. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly consider him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if, as if with leprosy. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needed to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Hallelujah. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has made to light upon him the guilt and iniquity of, of us all. He laid all of that on Jesus. You know, a lot of people, after they get saved, have a lot of guilt for the things that they did in the past. Once you're saved and you confess Jesus and you ask him to forgive you of, of your sins, you are completely cleansed. The old stuff is no more. November 7, 1971, on 12.03, I got saved a.m. p.m. I got saved. All that old stuff that I ever did was forgiven and gone. Got it? Thank God I, have, I know my date. That's when I lead someone to the Lord. I give them a date. I tell them, write it down and write it in your Bible. But anything after... I need to ask forgiveness and stand on 1 John 1, 9. But look at these things. He, the chastisement needed to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And by his stripes were healed and made whole. In Matthew 8, 16 and 17, let's go ahead and turn there. Let's go to 14. Hang on a second. We need to realize what had take place in chapter 8. This man in verse 3 had leprosy and he was cured and cleansed. And the Lord in verse 6 all right, let's just go eight, starting one, verse one. 
And Jesus came down from the mountains, great throngs following him, and behold, a leper came up to him and prostrating himself, worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you are able to cleanse me by curing me. And he reached out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed and be healed. And instantly his leprosy was, was healed and cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell nothing about this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and present the offering that Moses commanded for a testimony for, of your healing and an, and an evidence to the people. And Jesus went into Capernaum, a centurion came to him, begging him and saying, Lord, my servant boy is lying at the house, paralyzed and distressed with intense pains. Then Jesus said, I will come and restore him. But the centurion replied to him, Lord, I am not worthy to have and fit to have you come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant boy will be healed. For I am a man subject to authority with soldiers subject to me. And when I say to one go, he goes and to another come and he comes and my slave and to my slave do this and he does it. When Jesus heard him, he marveled and said to those who followed him, who adhered steadfastly to him, conforming his example in living, if need be, in dying also, I tell you truly, I have not found so much faith as this with anyone, even in Israel. He's saying this even about his disciples. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and will sit at a table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven while the son and heirs of the kingdom will be driven out into the darkness outside where there will be weeping and grinding of teeth. To the centurion, Jesus said, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant boy was restored to health at that very moment. And when Jesus went into Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying ill with a fever. He touched his hand, he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began waiting on him. You know, when Jesus heals us or touches us, we need to begin waiting on him. How do we wait on Jesus? Any ideas? By doing to others. By doing to others? Serving him, putting him first. Amen? Where was I? Okay. Here we go. When evening came, they brought to him many who were under the power of demons, and he drove out the spirits with a word and restored to health all who were sick. And thus he fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He himself took in order to carry away our weaknesses and infirmities, and bore away our diseases. Praise you, Jesus. Now when Jesus went, now Jesus, when he saw the great throngs around him, gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake, and we know the rest of that story. Okay. There were many that brought to him that were possessed with devils. He cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled that was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. First Peter 2.24, it says, 
who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. We see from these verses that healing the sick is God's will because Christ bore our infirmities and carried our diseases. Just as he purchased our salvation through his death on the cross, so he also purchased our healing by whose stripes you were healed. When we have his word firmly settled in our hearts, we not we not do not need not wonder if it's God's will to heal us. We need not pray, Lord, heal me, if it be thy will. Man, I heard that all the time in the church that I was born again in. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The will of God in prayer. Let's see if we've got time. I'm going to let you out early. John 15, 7. <laughs> I'm going to read something that, that I have here of Brother Hagen's notes, if I could. This is very interesting. Years ago, while he was pastoring, he was called to pray for a member who was ill. Knowing the importance of her own confession of faith for healing, I asked, Sister, will you be healed now? as I anoint you with oil and lay hands on you in Jesus' name. Well, I will if it's God's will, she answered. How are you going to find out if it's God's will, I asked. This is Brother Hagen. I thought you would pray for me, and if it's his will, I will be healed. If it isn't, I won't. Under these circumstances, I knew the woman was not going to receive healing. I knew how when belief would stop the flow of God's healing power. I wanted to talk to her and show her some things from the word of God before I prayed for her. But she said, go ahead and pray for me. I am in so much pain and misery. She didn't want to hear what the word of God said first. Okay. I anointed her and prayed, knowing in my heart that she wouldn't receive anything because she wasn't believing in line with the word. I stumbled through a prayer and I had hardly said amen when she said to her husband, Pete, go call the doctor. <laughs> that thing really puzzled me was that she had just gotten through saying it was God's will for her to be healed. He would heal her. And it wasn't. He wouldn't. She didn't get healed. Therefore, by her own admission, it wasn't God's will for her to be healed. Yet here she was calling the doctor and paying him to get her out of the will of God. According to her reasoning, it would seem she would even want to get well because she would be getting out of God's will it would be wrong to buy medicine and enlist the help of the doctor to get her out of the will of God. 
Certainly this is a foolish line of reasoning, but it's logic to some people following concerning prayers for their healing. I remember one time I was teaching a Bible study and um, I'll never forget it. It's a large Bible study and one of the women in the Bible study said, God told me last night that it wasn't um, his will for me to get healed. And I thought, oh no. So I had to stop the Bible study and I didn't rebuke her. I very kindly said, let's go through the word of God and see what the word of God says concerning healing. And so we did and we went on with the Bible study after that. A lot of people, and this is really sad, have been taught if it's God's will on everything. You know, recently I talked to someone and I asked them, do you pray in tongues? They go to a spirit-filled church. And it was sad because they were taught that you only pray in tongues when the Spirit comes upon you. Now that's sad because we can pray in tongues anytime once you've been given the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's important. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. So let's turn as our last scripture to Jude 20. You know, I don't know how much you all are praying in tongues right now, but in the, t the hour that we're in right now, we need to be praying in tongues more than we ever have in our lifetime. How many realize that? I actually know people that don't anymore. They got out of um, churches that were full gospel churches, and because the churches they went, went to are going to don't believe in it, so they don't pray in tongues anymore. And that's sad. Especially what Jude says. You know, if you read the book of Jude, you see that this is the hour we're in. It talks about murmurers, grumblers who complain about life. And I mean, it just goes on and on. And, and when you read it, you see that this is what we're in right now. You know, 20, keep yourselves in the love of God looking for mercy. Um, but verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith, make progress, rise like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. Guard and keep yourselves in the love of God. Expect and patiently wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, which will bring you unto eternal life. Now, there is so, many, there is so much anger out in the world that we live in right now. So much frustration out in the world that we live in right now. So many people are being vexed right now by what's going on. Right now, in this hour that we live in, we have got to pray in tongues more than we've ever prayed in tongues. For your 
building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. But we go on to the very next verse, 21. Guard and keep yourselves in the love of God. Expect and patiently wait for mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, which will bring you unto life eternal. We have got to pray in tongues to keep our lives straight so we can walk in love. Not just building ourselves up in the most holy faith, but where we're able to walk in love. Because this is the way it is daily coming at you. The enemy knows those that have the word. The enemy knows those that walk in the word. So he's going to try to put pressure on you. That's why the Bible says, count it all joy when you encounter divers' tests and trials, knowing the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be entire, wanting nothing. So building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So when tests and trials come that try to steal your faith, you are built up where your faith cannot be stolen. And you'll be able to walk in love in situations that in the natural, you would not be able to walk in love in. And what happens is all this frustration and stress comes upon you and thoughts start coming that you wouldn't even have thought of two weeks ago. So this is why it's so important that our prayer life and our walk of faith go hand in hand together in this hour and we move forward. Like Paul said, forgetting those things behind, I press on or I strain on to the mark of high calling. I forget those things in the past, because he was constantly told that he was a murderer of Christians, constantly. I mean, I've never murdered anybody, and I'm, you know, thank God, but to murder Christians or be responsible for that, and then to become one of the greatest preachers there was and wrote most of the New Testament, he was harassed, trust me. And he had to overcome that harassment. He had to get over it. He had to cast down those imaginations and reasonings. And he had to learn how to keep the stuff, the old stuff behind him. He drew a line that's old and he moved on. He pressed on even straining to the mark of high calling. How many have ever felt like you were straining Because he knew that there was greatness coming. We're only sojourning in this world right now. We are going to move into heaven, into glory, come back for seven years, and then we will live with Jesus forever. I mean, we are living with Jesus forever. The day you got born again, you're forever started. Amen? But we need, we need to understand how to work 
the works of God here on the earth. And this is our, this is our teaching aid right here, the Bible. And so we're going to start learning some things that will teach us and guide us on how to pray right, pray correctly, and walk by faith. Not by sight. If our praying is correct, then our faith will be correct because we'll be in tune with the word of God. We've got to have the word more than anything else in this hour. We can't live by our five physical senses. Praise you, Jesus. Father, I just pray over every person in this room. I don't know who it is, but someone has been harassed in their mind, has been bombarded in their mind. And I pray for them. I pray for each one here. I thank you, Father God, that this week will be the best week of their lives and that you will reveal to them as they take and practice what we heard today and use your word accordingly. Your word was given to us to use as Jesus used the word. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Jesus tells us exactly how to live and exactly what to do. And so, God, I'm just asking you and I'm praying for everyone within the sound of my voice that if there are areas that they've taken the reins and tried to lead God, they would back up and let God lead them. For God, without you, we can do nothing. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, saith the Lord. So God, I'm asking you, by your Holy Spirit, to reveal to each one of my brethren how to operate and walk in the word of God like never before. For you are moving you are, you are the mountain mover, Jesus. And you have put within each one of us the knowledge of the word to move mountains. So as we continue teaching, I thank you, Father God, that there will be revelation knowledge that will come to those in this room how to operate in a situation, in every situation. And when the spirit of deception tries to come upon them, I bind it now in the name of Jesus, they will know it and they will, have, they will know that they have the authority to deal with it. I give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. And I ask you to bless each one abundantly, super abundantly above all that they could dare ask or think. For greater are you, Jesus, that's in them than he that's in the world. And you have made us more than conquerors because you were the conqueror. And you said greater things than you shall we do. So we give you the praise for it. 
And we honor you this morning. And we will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, you say rejoice. Amen. If, if the person that's here that's 